Uh, I want to talk to you today about the Holy Spirit. More specifically, uh, the God that answers by fire. Uh, going back to the time of Elijah at Mount Carmel. And, uh, the, and I want to talk to you about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, from what Miss Bev said, you know, we want to assume that everyone here has already had that experience. And I think probably two-thirds of us have had it. But I think there are people in the room here that are saved and never had that second experience with God. Or third experience, whatever. There, there are these three wonderful uh, experiences with, where God just baptizes you in His love. But they're three distinct experiences. And I think God separates it this way to see who's hungry. He wants those that are hungry. You know what the qualification for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is? Just that you're a believer. So all believers, you know, should receive this. But all believers don't receive it. Those that are hungry. Back in her day, she said y'all had to go to one particular church in south of Louisville. Because that's probably the only church in town that was preaching it, you know, that would believe in it. So I... I get that. And today there's still a lot of controversy in the church world over this. I mean, two extremes out there. One extreme is they deny the experience. I just can't imagine how they can keep teaching with any kind of anointing at all the way they criticize the people that have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But what happens in Pentecost, people swing way to the left and they make it, they try to make a show out of it or an exhibit out of it. They try to... Uh, they mix man's attempt to receive it. They, they way overdo it, like the false prophets did at Mount Carmel with Elijah. Remember, they were cutting themselves, trying to make themselves bleed to try to get the fire to fall. And uh, so, so I see where the church world's, me church world's messed it up on both sides, both extremes. We want to get in the middle and find the truth, and I want every experience that God has for me. And I want every experience that God has for you, I want you to receive that experience. I mean, this is, there's no other way around it. If you want the power and the presence of God, if you want the power to overcome sin, the power to be a witness for Jesus Christ, if you want your heart full of love, there's no other way to get it than to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So this is a powerful experience. I'm not going to tell you every scripture in the Bible about it, but we're just going to look at it. We've been in Mark, and we, went, we hit this verse in Mark, and I just had to stop right there because I realized that God wants some people here today to receive this experience. So in Mark 1, 6, it said, John, talking about John the Baptist, clothed in camel's hair with the girdle of skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey and preach, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Now that's King James. Other translations will say Holy Spirit. Don't, don't think there's a differentiation between Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit. They're not. That's the same thing. I know preachers will preach that. I've heard preachers say Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. You know, that, that's the same thing. It just depends on which translation. The word in Hebrew is ruach, and it means breath, the holy breath of God. The Holy Spirit, that's the third person of the Godhead, so that's God. You could say Jesus is coming to baptize you in God, in God, in, in, or, in or with the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to show you this scripture so you can understand who is John saying is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit? Whose job is that? Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus is coming. He said, man, I can baptize you with water. But Jesus is coming, and he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So this is something, that's why it only works with believers. Non-believers can't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've got to be saved first. You get this relationship with Jesus first, and then anything you ask of him that's good, that's in his will, he'll give it to you. You know, the Bible says that in the book of John. He's talking about would, would a, if somebody asked bread from his dad, would the dad give him a snake? No. He's, <laughs> anything you ask of the Father that's in the center of his will, he's going to give it to you. You don't earn the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of God. Just like your salvation was a gift. You can't be, be good so many weeks in a row that you finally earn God's favor to receive the Holy Spirit. Nay, nay, nay. Grace is grace. It's unearned favor. He wants to give this to you because he loves you. He wants to give this to you because you're his son or his daughter. He wants to give this to you because you're a believer that needs the power of God in your life. And, and the reason people don't receive it is, again, because of the stigma, I think, put over it that Pentecost has given it where it has to be some kind of weird experience or wild experience or unorthodox experience. Doesn't have to be that way at all. I mean, it does not have to be that way at all. When I, I received it sleeping in my bed at night, and it was the greatest experience of my life. I mean, it felt like hot oil just poured into my being from the flowed from the crown of my head to the tip of my toes. It filled me with the love of God. And and that, by the way, is the real initial evidence of the Holy Spirit is the love of God. If you say, well, I don't know if I received it or not. Well, you, just, you still hate everybody as much today as you did yesterday? Probably not, you know. But you, let's, let's open your heart and drink of the well and, and allow him to flow this into you. There are three baptisms of the believer. How many know these three right now? Most people think of two. But let's talk about number one. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ when we're saved. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and the baptism in the Holy Spirit are two different experiences. Grammatically, they're two different experiences, and theologically, they're two different experiences. This one on top says the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ when we're saved. Look at the scripture, 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. What body is that? The body of Christ. We've, I've talked a lot in the last two years about what it means to be in Christ. How do you get in Christ? The Holy Spirit does it supernaturally. The moment you get saved, He baptizes you into Christ. Amen. You don't have to, again, live holy to get into Christ. The moment Christ comes inside of you, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. He comes in you, you go into Him. And that wouldn't happen without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ Jesus. So every saved person has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit means the Holy Spirit's the one that did the baptizing. Look at your verse again. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. That's the church, which is the body of Christ. We are in Christ. If you've been saved, you're in Christ. That means now, not all your sins are forgiven, but he imputes his righteousness upon you. 
You know, I'm gonna, one day I'm going to do a sermon on all the different things that happen the moment we get saved. Because we learn about them over the years. Here I'm 30 years down the road, and I'm still learning about things that happened to me the day I got saved. Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ the day you get saved. Okay, that's number one. Number two, the disciple baptizes us in water. You can go to Matthew 28, 19. Jesus was saying these words to his disciples. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. Doesn't have to be a preacher, just a believer, a disciple. That's who will baptize you into water. Your water baptism experience is not your salvation experience, but it's definitely a baptism that all believers need. Jesus commanded it to be so. The apostles taught it this way. Once you get saved, you need to be water baptized. Water baptized is not some ceremonial tradition or ritual just so your other saints can see that you're saved. No, this is a separate experience. Because this is when the believer understands that he needs his old man eradicated. He needs to be buried with Christ, crucified with Christ, planted with Christ, baptized with him. That all happens in the water. Total, Jesus has asked all believers to be baptized in water, to be immersed. This word baptized in the New Testament means to be immersed. So when you get saved, the very moment you give your heart to Jesus... The Holy Spirit's there, and he immerses you in Christ. So the day you walk out of there, the day one, you walk out saying, I'm a saint, I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm in Christ. He's imputed his righteousness onto me. He took away my sins. He, he threw the book away on my sins. I am clean before God. I'm justified. I'm redeemed. I've been made right with God. The moment you get saved, these things happen to you. But then he's going to say, okay, new believer. I need you to be water baptized. You need to be water baptized because I want you to go down with me into my nature, into my name, into my death, that you might be raised with my life, that you now may walk in newness of life, that you'll have this brand new identity, this brand new life. So every believer needs to be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ, that's when you get saved. I wrote the word blood up there. See that in white letters? That's when you get saved. That's the blood. That means the blood of Jesus took away your sins. That means you're acknowledging the gospel saved you. You didn't save yourself. It's what Jesus did 2,000 years ago that saved you. He poured his blood out on a cross. All right, the second baptism there is the baptism of water. And then the third baptism is what John the Baptist was talking about. Jesus wants to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the baptism of fire. Blood, fire, and water. These are the three foundational gifts for every Christian in the world. Every Christian in the world should experience the blood of Jesus, the fire of the Holy Spirit, and the waters of his name, death, and life. He wants to be baptized into his name, death, and life. You do that in water baptism. But then here Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, and this is an immersion in the presence of God, immersion in the Spirit of God, an immersion in the fire of God, immersion in the power of God, an immersion in the love of God. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you get immersed in the third person of the Godhead, and Jesus does this for you. 
This is what he wants. There's no, he would never tell any believer no on water baptism or Holy Ghost baptism. These are both yeses. He wants to do this for you. Okay. Baptized with or in the Holy Spirit by Jesus. In Matthew, he says the same thing, but he, he says, He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So that's a little, little clear picture here. It's important to understand the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those, those gospels are called synoptic gospels because they share most of the same material. But the book of John is not a synoptic gospel. He writes about many, many things that the other three gospel writers won't write about. Wedding at Cana, the John 4, the lady at the well, John 8, the lady caught in adultery, just, just uh, John 6, uh, the, the big sermon on I'm the bread of life. Just many, many things that are different in John. But the reason I say this is because there are few, few things that are in all four Gospels. You know, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. Few things, but one of them is this sentence that he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. It's in all four Gospels. And, uh, and in fact, when Jesus came up out of the water baptism, the Holy Spirit rested on him, and he received the Spirit without measure, the fullness of the Spirit. So if the Son of God, Jesus himself, had to have that experience, how much more do us mortals need to have that experience? We've been saved, now we need to receive the Holy Spirit. We need, we need a, a baptism, as it were, of the Spirit in our life. Okay. Is this interesting to you? And then right when Jesus ascended, this is after the resurrection, what, 40 days after the resurrection, he got his disciples together and said, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. Don't you stay here in this town because I got a promise for you. There's a promise. Don't leave Jerusalem without the promise. He said, a promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the utter end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on him, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So this was the ascension, the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. Go, stay in Jerusalem, don't leave. The promise of the Father's coming. And the, what the promise of the Father was, was a baptism in the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 2, at Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came, a, came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues, or King James says cloven tongues, as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So now the disciples, these are the ones that walked with Jesus for three and a half years. At the cross they lost their faith, but when he rose from the dead they got it back. And uh, you know, there was, you could go back. I think in the book of John, after the resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples and shows them his hands and his wounds. And then the Bible says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, I think that's the baptism, the first baptism. I think that's when they got saved. You know, now that the resurrection had taken place, 
He said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's why it's understandable. Every Christian has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when we get saved. He baptizes us into Christ. So the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ the day we get saved. These disciples were already saved. They were already believers. And yet he sent them to Jerusalem and said, y'all stay there until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then on this day, the Bible says they were all in one accord in one place and they were praying and waiting and tarrying. And by the way, this is the last place in the Bible you see people waiting and tarrying for the Holy Spirit. And I know people I've met, I've been tarrying 20 years for the Holy Spirit. I've been tarrying 50 years for the Holy Spirit. Some revival meetings are, are all built around, let's just wait and wait and wait. I don't see any other place in the New Testament where you have to wait for the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost has come. The, whole, the heavens have been rendered. The fulfillment of Isaiah 64 has already taken place. The Spirit has come down. And when Jesus went to be with his Father, this was the great promise. You guys just stay right here because I'm going to empower you like you couldn't, can't believe. I'm going to fill you with my love like you can't believe. I'm going to take your life and transform it like you never would believe. So they waited and God did what he promised to do in the disciples. And then right after that, Peter, Peter didn't have to get his notes out. He didn't have to build a PowerPoint. He didn't have to call a church service. It was very evident. Well, this wasn't a private thing. This is a very public thing. The Spirit had baptized them. They're talking in other tongues. So Peter just gets up and preaches a sermon. And toward the end of the sermon, the people say, Peter, what shall we do that we might be saved? And this is what he says in Acts 2.38. Peter said unto them, repent. I write that in red. That's your first experience. That, what he's saying there is give your, turn from your sins, give your heart to Jesus Christ. You washed in his blood, get saved. Okay, repent, you be saved. Two, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Water. That's water. Get saved, and they get water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, of the Holy Spirit. That's fire. So you see blood, fire, and water are in this order, blood, water, and fire right there in Acts 2.38. And you say, who's this for? Look at verse 39. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So who, who's it for? Everybody. Everybody. Not just half the church. I feel so sorry for the other half the church that's locked in this anti-Holy Spirit thinking. You know, that they're missing such a... They're missing the power. They're missing the love. They're missing the fire. They're missing the good part. Jesus didn't want his Christians to go through life condemning the Holy Spirit, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, putting the Holy Spirit down. The Bible, uh, the gift, and he says, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See that word gift? That means it's a gift. That means you don't work for it, you don't earn it, it's a gift. It's just as free to you as salvation was. It's free. God wants to do this for you. And the promise is for all believers. All right, I'm moving fast. Then you get to the place where it's played out in the New Testament. This is Acts chapter 8. This is, uh, they went to Samaria. Uh, they heard that the Samaritans had become saved. They believed the word of God. Let's go to the top. And when the apostles of Jerusalem heard Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, 
who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So can you see all three baptisms there? First, they were already believers. They had received the Word of God. The disciples come and uh, find out they've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, for you're not yet fallen into them. But they had received water baptism. So they were believers, blood. They'd already received water baptism, water, but they'd not yet received the fire. Again, you need these three gifts, these three gifts of grace, touches of grace, three of the most beautiful things in your life that will help you live the Christian life. If you only have one or two of these, your, your foundation is not laid right. You need blood, fire, and water to have the proper foundation. So the disciples laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. That was after they were believers, after they'd been water baptized, they received the Holy Spirit. You can go to Acts 10. I'm trying to go faster. My brother Steve Manke talked about the experience of Cornelius. You, you can prove it right there, too. We'll just go to Acts 19 and prove it here. It says, It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. When he says he found disciples, that means he found saved people. They were already believers if they were disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. Then Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Again, another group of believers, this is Apostle Paul himself. Paul probably discerned right away they didn't have the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he went, he went through this with them, laid hands on them, they received. That's simple. No, they didn't have to do anything special. 1 John 5, 7, and 8 says this, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. This is King James. Other translations will say Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Three, three persons of the Godhead, Father, Word, Spirit. All equal, all divine, all eternal, all infinite, equal, all powerful. The, and these three are one. They're all one in purpose, one in will, one in nature, one in character. Three different missions and responsibilities, but one character, one nature, one purpose. And there are three that bear witness in the earth. Now this, this trinity, this three, one God but three persons, brings a testimony down to the earth of what he's all about. He says, there are three that bear witness in the earth, the spirit, fire, the water, and the blood. Blood, fire, and water again. These three agree in one. They bear witness to the fact there's a God in heaven that transforms people's lives. This, the blood, fire, and water bears witness into the earth that God loves his people so much that he's going to transform their lives with blood, fire, and water. Grace, grace, grace. Gift, gift, gift. Blood, fire, water. Man, that's, that don't mean you're special. That just means God loves you and you're receiving what he died to give you. If he sent Jesus to the earth to die for you, shouldn't we receive everything Jesus died to give us? 
I want to just bring this up for a minute. No, you don't have to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to receive water baptism to be saved. Okay? All you got to do is receive the blood to be saved. You just got to give your heart to Christ, repent of your sins, ask Him to come in your life to be saved and go to heaven. Some, some denominations make you try to get all three of these in on you or you're going to hell. They'll even say if you're in a hospital bed, you pray for somebody and they give their heart to Jesus, if they don't talk in tongues or if you don't get them water baptized, they die and they go to hell. That is so wrong. That's fundamentally wrong, theologically wrong, t totally wrong. Whew. I'm tired. All right, that's what we give you one verse for Egypt to Canaan's land. 10. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 and 2. For I do not want you to be unaware, King James says ignorant, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Right? So they got baptized. How did they get baptized into Moses? Well, see, Moses is a picture of Christ. He's not Christ. He was just a picture, a type, a shadow, because he was the Savior. He was the Deliverer. So just as the Spirit baptizes us into Christ, he's saying the children of Israel were baptized into Moses. And they were baptized into the cloud. Remember the cloud and fire that let them out? Well, that's a picture of Holy Ghost fire baptism. And baptized in the sea, that's a picture of when they went through the Red Sea, came out on the other side, and the sea closed in on Pharaoh, and all the Israelites were, were delivered on the other side of the sea. That's a picture of water baptism. Blood, fire, water. The courtyard, you got the same thing. You got the brazen altar, you got blood and fire. And the tabernacle had to deal with sin before you can go in into the tent, into the holy place, and have communion with God. The only way to deal with sin is blood and fire. So there's, they slew animals, the fire consumed it. Picture of, of salvation and receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the next, the next thing they saw was a laver. The priest had to go to the laver and wash. Picture of water. Again, blood, fire, and water. You got it Egypt to Canaan's land. You got it in the tabernacle courtyard. You got it all over the New Testament. That's the way God works today. Blood, fire, and water. I'm not going to read this story to you because it's too late. I'm just going to tell it real quick. Elijah, Mount Carmel, him versus 450 prophets. And he said, y'all build your altar. I'll build my altar. You, you take a, a bull and I'll take a bull. And, and let the God that answers by fire be God. So they built their altar. And uh, do what? Oh, I'm sorry. They built their altar and they, they prayed and prayed and prayed. And here it says at noon, Elijah mocked them. Cry aloud for he is God. Either he's musing or he's relieving himself or he's on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and must be wakened. So here, here these false prophets are, are calling on Baal, calling on their God, and Elijah's mocking them. I like that. Elijah has a sense of humor. I, I like this a lot. Man, your God's asleep or going to the bathroom or <laughs> maybe on a vacation. You know, I don't know where he is. And they kept praying and kept praying. And look at the words in white. They cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until blood gushed out upon them. Why? What does that mean? That means human. They're trying to take human effort and human pain and, and human work to try to get God to answer them. And this is where Pentecost has aired. That they do all this human stuff. You know, they may jump up and down for 30 minutes hoping that the fire will fall on them. 
Well, just wait till the fire falls on you, then you won't have to jump up and down. He'll, he'll move you up and down on his own. You know, we got it backwards. It's, we want to try to initiate the contact. Let God initiate it. You know, every man and his wife knows when it's time for, you know, don't go there. No. <laughs> I did hear Liz that time. She said something. We want to initiate the fire. So if I run around the church 20 times, is that going to initiate the fire? But if the fire gets on you and he tells you to run around the church, then run around the church. I got no problem with that. Just don't do it backwards. At midday past, they raved on to the time of offering of oblation. There was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Well, then it was Elijah's turn. Elijah rebuilt the altar. He put the wood and the and the blood on the altar. And then he said, get, get you a big pot of water and pour water on it three times. And he told him to do it four times. So there's 12 big pots of water poured on it. You know, he's not trying to make this easy. He's trying to make this difficult. Uh, let, let's, well, he's got his, the rebuilt altar. Now he's, now he's got water and the water's filled the trench around the altar. At the time of offering of oblation, I, I, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, that I've done all these things at your word. Answer me, O oh Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O oh Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. It just took it all up, all the, everything. And they had been in a three-year drought at this time, too. I don't know where they got the water. I believe that was supernatural also. Everything about Elijah's altar was supernatural. And then all the people saw it. They fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Elijah said in the beginning, that Let the God that answers by fire be God. Let the God that answers by fire. You know, this shouldn't be some uh, mystery. It shouldn't be anything weird in your mind. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is just simply you coming forward, opening your heart, and asking God to fill it with His love, and He will. If I could have a couple of musicians real quick, and maybe a singer. We're going to have a little altar call. I'm not going to take a lot of your time. But this is, the Lord's put this on me all week long, that there's people here in our church that need this beautiful experience. There's nothing to be afraid of here. There's nothing weird going on, going on here. This is simply God loving on you. you. You opening your heart to God and letting Him baptize you, letting Him immerse you. If y'all would stand with me. If you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Brother Joe, I need one last slide there.